Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. A couple of weeks ago, as, as Steph and I uh, got, got a chance to, to listen uh, to Matt Prine's first uh, sermon in Preaching Through the Psalms, uh, as, as we prayed with one another, we prayed with another couple, uh, we looked over at one point and, and we saw Titus and Luke and Levi, our three oldest huddled up and praying together at 12, 12, and, and Titus at almost, at almost 10. And, and it, was a, it was a special moment, special moment to, to look out and not just see a congregation that's praying, uh, but to see our, our sons that, that we very imperfectly have been poured into for years, uh, huddled up praying through Psalm 63. And again, it was a, it was a special moment. I have, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, this, this series uh, and the job that, that Pastor Billy uh, from Axe Community in Pasadena, Matt Ulrich, uh, Matt Prine have done as they have walked, through, uh, walked us through the Psalms. And so today marks the, the final message in this series. And so just, just by way of reminder, uh, so, so if this is your first time, uh, kind of a, a, a little bit different format uh, this morning as we've done throughout the series. I'm going to teach through a few verses of the Psalms. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to to exposit everything in all 29 verses. Uh, we could. We could just roll till 2 p.m. Uh, but but I'm going to teach briefly through, and then we're going to hit a prayer point. Uh, and then what we're going to do is, is you're going to find a, a group of people close to you, uh, and, and we want to encourage you to huddle up and and, and pray. Uh, and pray out loud, pray with your, your Bibles open. Uh, and, but, but again, the disclaimer is this. Hey, if, if you are, if you're here, if you're not, if you're not a Christian, uh, or if you're uncomfortable, uh, uh, praying, uh, out loud or in a group, um, listen, uh, we like, we, you, you don't, you don't have to feel uncomfortable. Uh, uh, what, what we want to encourage you to do, if anything, take, take the opportunity just to soak it in. Take the opportunity just to observe the, the, the church at work praying. Um, church, what, what, we, what we pray must be tethered to the scriptures. Amen? It's got to be, it's got to be tethered to the word of God. It's a, it's a big reason. That's a big reason why we decided to do this series. So often I, we, we overthink prayer, but, but the best prayer is praying the Bible back to God. Amen? It's praying the Bible back to God as you, as you connect God's word to your, to your life. As you, as you connect God's word to your, your circumstances and your desires and your struggles, 
And let me say this, but just again by way of introduction, I think prayer is one of those things, and it's been said it's more caught than taught, right? You understand what that means? Prayer is more caught than taught. It's something, it's something that has to be modeled. And so maybe, maybe you've never had prayer modeled to you. Unfortunately, my, my fear is that prayer, prayer has just become filler uh, in, in most church worship services. You know, with me this morning, it's just become, it's become filler. We, we pray to transition between songs and we, we pray to transition from song to sermon and we, we pray over the, the offering. And I think our prayer, our prayers are sincere, but they occupy such minimal, minimal space in our worship. And I've, I've, like I've felt this pull as, as restoration has, has grown. And you, you have to think about, uh, you know, in the fall and in the spring, multiple worship services. And you have to think about clearing out uh, the, the, the parking lot because, uh, you know, apparently like 500 people don't fit in 50 spaces. It's weird. Uh, you have to think about transitioning. You have to think about your exhausted RCB kids, uh, children's workers, and all the logistics, but, but if we're not striving with that, if we're not striving to make prayer an integral part of the service, can the power of God rest on this place? Can the power of God rest on, on what we're doing? Can it rest on our worship? And if, and if prayer is, is just filler, if it's just filler, are we, are we really filled with the spirit of the living God. And so this, this morning as we dive in and this morning as you, as you pray, uh, I, I want you to reflect on William Barclay's words when he said this. When you, uh, when you pray, Barclay said, remember the love of God that knows, the love of God that wants the best for you, the wisdom of God that knows what is best for you and the power of God that, that can accomplish it. Amen? Say that again. As, as you pray, remember the love of God that, that, that wants what's best for you, the wisdom of God that knows what is best for you, and the power of God that can accomplish it. Bible Knowledge Commentary it says this about Psalm 113 through 118. Says that they formed the Hallel. The Hallel is a collection of songs that were sung at the great festivals of Israel. And so uh, at the Passover, at Pentecost, at the Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, as well as on other holy days. And so, for, for example, at Passover, Psalm 113 and Psalm 114 would be sung by the Israelites before the Passover. And then Psalm 115 through 118 would be sung after the meal, after the Passover. William Tyndale says this, this song, and talking about Psalm 118, he says, this is the last of the Hallel or the praise psalms which were sung at the Passover. Many believe that this was the song sung by Jesus and his disciples in the upper room before they departed to the Mount of Olives in Matthew 26. Can you just imagine 
the disciples singing this song with Jesus before he went to the cross. Just get that picture in your mind. Psalm 118 is, is bookended with, with this phrase, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Well, will, y'all, will y'all do this? Will y'all humor me for a minute? Will y'all say that with me? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. One more time. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, His steadfast love endures forever. Church, do you believe that God's love is steadfast? do Do you believe that he is good and that God desires your good? No, know this. Yeah, we're almost almost done. Almost done with the intro. Prayer, prayer is a gift. Amen? Like prayer, prayer is, it is a gift of God. It, it is a mercy. The very act of prayer involves like humbling yourself. The very, the very act of prayer is, is, a, is a recognition. The act of prayer, it's, it's dependence. And so praise God this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer. 1 John 5.14 tells us this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do y'all believe that, church? So this morning as we dive in, if you've got your Bibles, Psalm 118, I want to read the first five verses and give you a prayer point. I'll talk through it for a moment, and then we'll, we'll, we'll group up and pray. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And it says, let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. And then verse 5 says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me, and he set me free. So our first prayer point this morning is prayer from the freedom, freedom from sin. And I'm going to unpack that in verse 5 in a moment, but it's prayer for freedom from sin. See, verse, let's do this. Make sure, make, make sure you're awake this morning. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, freedom from sin. Look at your other neighbor and say, freedom from sin. That was pretty solid. That was pretty solid. We're going to have to do more of that this morning. Verse 2 through 4, it lays, out, it lays out this progression that moves from Israel as a whole to, to the priesthood to the, in, the individual faithful Israelite who fears God. And the call, as you, as you roll through verse 2 through 4, the call was to the steadfast love of the Lord. And, that, and it's interesting that we, we see this word throughout the Old Testament. This, the, the Hebrew word for steadfast love was this word hesed. It was a loyal loyal love. It was an, uh, an unfailing kind of love and kindness and goodness often used of God's love that, that was related to the, his faithfulness to his covenant. Like when God enters into a covenant with his people, he doesn't break it. He's, he is faithful. He is loyal. When you get to verse five and it says, 
it, again, it says this, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. See, for Israel, theirs was a history of on and off distress. Amen? Like Israel was constantly in and out of distress. In, in Egypt, they, they cried out in distress under the weight of forced slavery. During the time of the judges, they, they cried out in distress. They, they, they were distressed as they uh, experienced uh, persecution from the Philistines. Later, as the nation turned their back on God, they experienced distress as God's hand of discipline came down through the Assyrians, through the Babylonians. And for Israel in particular, the, listen, in, 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 those, those, in those moments of distress, the cry was, was for freedom from bondage, specifically from physical bondage. But, but hear me, to stop there in Psalm 118 is it's to miss the deep messianic implications of this psalm. See, for Israel, for us, for, for me, for, for you, our, our greatest need for freedom is our need for freedom from sin. Amen? I feel like, like we have lost that. Like we need, we need new hearts. We need new hearts that, that hate evil, that hate sin and the things that are against God. Like that's Proverbs 8.13. That's the definition of the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Like we need, we need new hearts that we need new hearts that we don't have. Apart from Christ, hearts that love God and love people. Why, 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 is this, why is this so important? Why is this so important? So much of the cultural ideology being, being dispensed, digested and dispensed, even in the church today, it, it, it's anti-gospel. Because it calls, it calls for temporal freedom while ignoring the universal depravity of man that everyone, listen, everyone, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of class, is, is enslaved to sin. Man, our hearts, our hearts are sinful and though, listen, hear me, because this is what we are about at Restoration. Though the outworking of the gospel, the outworking of the gospel means that we, we absolutely address systems and societal issues. Listen, our works of righteousness are not the good news. Amen? Jesus is the good news, church. And we don't, listen, if we don't address the sin in each of our hearts and our need for personal salvation, man, we're like we're missing it. And church fam, fam before before you can uh, understand the the depth of of this steadfast love that verse one through four is talking about, you have to gra grasp the depth of your own depravity. And again, yes, like we listen. If you follow Jesus. You absolutely have to be about the physical freedom of all people because you understand that all people are image bearers of Almighty God. Amen? So you better be about it. But the greatest, the greatest freedom is freedom from the bondage 
of sin. And so I want to do this. I want to enter into a, a, a time of prayer. 1 John 1, nine says, But if, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it, as it is working. And so this morning, the call is, man, let's pray that we would see our sin as God sees it. Pray that, pray that before you jump to addressing all the issues out there, that you would address the issue right here. Amen? That you would echo the sentiment of Paul in first seeing yourself as the chief sinner before God who needs Jesus. And that we would remember the words of Paul in Galatians 5.1 that says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And so, and so I want to do this. We're going to take three or four minutes uh, take some time with those around you to pray, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for freedom from sin. I want to encourage you to pray with your Bibles open. Let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> we come before you, and we, we confess our sin to you. As your people, we, we say, uh, we, we uh, Jesus, the gospel is, is, is not just for the lost, for those outside of the faith. It is for the church. Jesus, we need you. We need your blood that covers our sin. We need your perfect life. We need your perfect obedience and righteousness. And so, God, as we, as we pray and ask that you would forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, God, we pray that your spirit would empower us to walk in obedience and in this new life. Pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. As you look at verse 13 through 19, it says this. I was pushed hard, so I was following, following, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my, salva my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live. I recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks and give thanks to the Lord. So our, our second prayer uh, point in time will be a, a prayer of thankfulness to the Lord. Uh, verse 14, so, so let, 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 let's do this. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, uh, be thankful. <laughs> look at your other neighbor and say, be thankful. Verse 14 says, the Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He, is, he has become my salvation. Listen, it, it, like, if, you're, if you're great, if you're strong, if you're sufficient, you don't need Jesus. <laughs> Only those who know the, the, the weakness of, of their own flesh, their own fleshly and sinful hearts can, can resonate with the, the words of 2 Corinthians 10, 9, where Paul said, but, but Christ said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, those who, those who know that God is the source of their strength, they, they, they tend to be worshipers. Amen? Like those who, those who know that God is the, the source of their strength tend to be worshipers. See, when, when Christ is, is strong, uh, Christ, Christ becomes your song. Amen? When you see Christ is strong, uh, he, he becomes and is uh, your song and the song of your life and your heart. Amen? So verse 15 and 16, it talks about the, the hand of the Lord. Christian, the, the hand of your heavenly Father is, is powerful. Amen? Is powerful, is able to, to rescue. We're, we're doing swim lessons right now. Uh, all the boys, are, they're, they're, they're good swimmer, swimmers. Ben, ben needs a little more practice. But, but Ruthie, uh, our three-and-a-half-year-old, uh, she, she's been in the pool, and like she's still, she's still learning. Uh, she, she's not quite there, but her, her instructor, you know, will get her body parallel with the water. Uh, and, and Rue, Rue is learning to use her arms and, and, and legs, and, but her, her kicks are too inconsistent to really keep her moving. And, and her arms just kind of flail, right? Uh, and so, and so uh, they're, they're not quite in sync uh, to help her uh, tread through and glide through the water. But here's the thing, her, her instructor's hand is under her the entire time. And so she's not going under. And Rue knows. And like you see the confidence because she doesn't have her floaties on, right? She's not at Oman Grandpa's pool with the floaties on. Like she's out in the pool, but she knows as long as the instructor's hand is present, she's safe. Amen? She doesn't have, she doesn't have, to, she doesn't have to fear. And the scripture says the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right, the right hand of the Lord it, it, it exalts. And then you get to verse, you get to verse 19. And I love this. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness that I, I may enter through them and give thanks. And give thanks to the Lord. See, when Jesus when Jesus was on the scene, like everybody wanted something. <laughs> everybody wanted something. In Luke 17, in the story of the lepers, you've got, you've got 10, 10 lepers who were healed of their, of their malady, but only, but only one, only one returned and fell down at the feet of Jesus. Only one came back and praised God and recognized that Jesus was God and worshiped and gave thanks. And see, ours... Ours is such a culture of entitlement right now. Amen? Two things. Two things that the culture is not going to encourage you to do. Ready? <laughs> One is examine the sin in your own heart. <laughs> You're like, I, I could have sworn I saw a commercial. You didn't. You didn't. Okay? <laughs> The culture's not going to encourage you to examine the sin in your own heart. And two, the culture's not going to encourage you to look to God to understand the path of righteousness. And we'll talk more about the, the gate of righteousness, the path of righteousness with our third point. But no, listen, the, the culture is going to push you to camp up and create categories of both subjective righteousness and, and repression. 
And so when the, when the sources, listen, when your sources become the, the ideologies of the world and not the word of God, you, you come to forget that it was at the cross God used the greatest injustice this world has ever seen to accomplish the greatest good this world has ever known. That was at the cross. And so Christian... I'm talking to the Christ follower. When you look to the cross, like when you see Jesus bloodied and dying on that tree for your sin, like there's no, listen, there's, there's no apathy there. Like when you see Christ on the cross, like there's no, there's no entitlement there. there there's, no, there's no comparison there. It's just you and the Savior bleeding out for your sin. And if there's not, Christian, if, if there's not like this overflow of, of gratitude there, something's wrong with, with, with our, our hearts. If, there, if there's not an overflow and a response of just thankfulness, something is wrong that a, that a perfect God would meet broken sinners and, and, and rescue us. Church, we, we have got to let that spring worship and thankfulness in our hearts and lives. Amen? And, and so, and so here, here's, here's the prayer. Colossians, as we enter into a time of prayer, Colossians 3.17 says this, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so here, here's the call as we enter into this time of prayer over giving thanks to God. Where, where have you been operating from a place of entitlement and pride? Where have you been operating from a place of entitlement and pride? And so even even now, as you pray, let, let gratitude overflow. Let thankfulness overflow in your prayer as you give thanks to the God who is your strength, who is your song, and who, who is your salvation, Christian. And so y'all take a moment, y'all take a few minutes and, and find, find a group and let's pray. Lord, God, we thank you, Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, God, that in your kindness you saw fit to bring salvation. We thank you that your, your mighty hand is strong to save even when we couldn't save ourselves. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you, God, for life and breath. Lord, Forgive us, forgive us when our hearts are not overflowing in gratitude. God, forgive us when we are uh, steeped in entitlement and arrogance. And God, bring us, bring us back, bring us back to you, bring us back to the cross, bring us back to your steadfast love. And from there, God, I pray that there would be an overflow of thankfulness 
We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Verse 20 through 26, for our third prayer point, it says, This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day of the Lord that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. As we close our, our, our time today, as we move into our third point, I, this, this is the thing. We, we're going to pray for the supremacy of Jesus over his church. Amen. We're going to pray that Jesus would be supreme over the, the capital C church, the global church, but also over the little C, our local church, Restoration Church, Brian. And so I want you to look at your neighbor and just say, Jesus is supreme. Awesome. I want you to look at your other neighbor and a little, a little more excited, say, Jesus is supreme. <laughs> there we go. There we go. See, in both... In both verses 19 and 20, you have this repetition of the word gate. And it says in verse 20, this, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I, I don't know if we have enough time, but I'm going to do it anyway. In Genesis 28, it says this. And let me give you a little context. This is Jacob. This is Israel before the name change. He's on the run from Esau. And he's headed toward Bethel. And it says in verse 12 of Genesis 28, He dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to the heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So Jacob's having this vision, this dream. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you live, I will give you into your to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Verse 17 of Genesis 28 says, And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And so you're like, cool story, bro. But here's the thing. If you read the Bible as a connected whole, Jesus shows up on the scene, and you get to John chapter 1. In verse 47 through 53, then Jesus, Jesus is meeting the, some of the disciples. In verse 47, <clears throat> Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him in John 1, And he said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He was an easy sell, right? Verse 50, Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened 
and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus, Jesus went through the gate. He is the gate. Only Jesus could go through the gate. He alone was qualified because none was righteous. No, not one. See, see, Jacob, Israel, saw the gate, right? He, he saw the gate, but he, he did not ascend or descend the ladder. Far from it. Listen, he, even as the representative head of Israel, the grandson of Abraham, by nature, and by name, he was, Jacob was a supplanter. He was a deceiver. He was a cheater. He, he was not qualified to go through the gate, but he looked forward to the one who was. Amen? See, in Matthew 7, it, it talks about the, the, the narrow gate and the wide gate. Listen, the narrow gate is Jesus. Amen? The wide gate is the never-ending parade of workspace righteousness we like to pretend will merit the favor of God. And you get back to Psalm 118 and verse 21 reveals that God answers us by, by becoming our salvation. Y'all catch that? He becomes our salvation. See, Christ did what, what you could never do. And, and that's, why, that's why the self-righteous Jewish leaders hated Jesus and they, they rejected him. <clears throat> and that's why when you get to verse 22, one of the most quoted Psalms in the New Testament, it's quoted multiple times, the stone that the builders rejected <clears throat> has become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing, and it is, it is marvelous in our eyes. And we see this verse, again, time and time, along with Psalm 2, along with Psalm 110, repeated. And you say, well, why, why do we see it repeated in the New Testament? Because, the answer is because in a, in a world system, it's devoted to the righteousness of, of man. We, we need the reminder that though the masses may, may reject Jesus and his righteousness, he is still the cornerstone. Amen? He is, he is still the cornerstone. He is, Jesus is still supreme. And, and there, is, there is, Acts 4, 12 tells us there is salvation in no one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And you get to verse 26. I love this. And it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so in John 12, the people of Israel called out these words of praise as the king came, mounted on the back of the donkey, they said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Singing Psalm 118. The question is, do you recognize the king? Do you recognize the king? Is Jesus supreme in your life and in your heart? And I, I, don't, think, I don't think Ken Wiggly's here, but I'm going to quote some Shaolin. 
I think Shaolin's song Supreme puts it best when he says he's the most magnificent, the total antithesis of insufficient, the blessed, the glorious, splendid, transcendent, difficult to comprehend, independent of space and time, but presently present, suspending the heavens with speech. From coast to coast, he speaks peace to wind and seas. Got heavenly hosts posted on bended knees. He controls the cosmos with the most authority, so we boast in the most exalted King Christ supreme. Amen? Y'all didn't know y'all were going to get that flow this morning. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme. So here's, here's our prayer. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It says he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth and heaven, by making peace by the blood of his cross. And so here's the prayer as we pray for the supremacy of Jesus. Pray that you would see Jesus as the only gate to heaven. Amen? Pray that he would be the foundation and the cornerstone of your life. Confess, listen, confess to God, Christian, and and, and repent where you have been building your life on temporal things. Things that are going to burn up, things that are not going to last. And then finally, pray that the, the, the king supreme, pray that the king would use you to draw others into his kingdom. So you'll take a few minutes, this final prayer point, and, and pray with your group. Lord, Jesus, be supreme over your church. Be supreme over this world. <clears throat> be supreme in the midst of of a culture that is continually trying to turn us back on ourselves and point us back to ourselves. Our own goodness and righteousness is a solution. Jesus, be supreme. Be our righteousness. Be our all. Be preeminent. Be glorified in your church. And in this world, we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. I'm going to close with this this morning, and then we're done. I want, you to, I, want, I want you to let this sink in. Listen, take yourself back to the days of Israel. After the Passover, right? After the Passover, after the, the, the blood of the lamb had been spilled. After the sacrifice had been made. And, and you're with your people, you're with your fam. And you circle up. And you're singing, this is the gate of the Lord. And you're singing, the the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And and this this is the Lord's doing. Like you're you're in in Israel 3,000 years ago. Like you're singing that. Wow. Church, they they were singing about Jesus. Amen. And we're still singing about him today. Amen? They, they looked forward. They looked ahead. We look back. 
But this morning, let's, let's respond. Let's respond to Jesus Christ crucified for our sin. Let, let's respond to, the, again, the perfect sacrifice for sin. Uh, let's respond to his, his glorious resurrection that he conquered something that we couldn't. Our, our sin and death. And church, as, as, we, as we respond, uh, let, us, let us cry out and give thanks. And, and spiritual seeker, listen, as you respond, my, here's my prayer. My, my prayer and my hope is that you would call out, that you would call out and ask Jesus to save you from your sin. And, and most assuredly, listen, he is mighty to save. And he will, he will do it. So the call is to place your hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Y'all pray with me.